Well, hey there, fellow nerds and nerdwells. I'm AJ, and welcome back to the Adventurous Anonymous Podcast, the home of improvised fantasy fucknuggetry. Come join us week by week as a rotating cast of geeks sip cocktails, play Dungeons and Dragons, and seek a glorious death. And apparently, we're still smashing it up in the Apple Podcast charts in the Czech Republic. So, a massive ahoy! To all of you out there in the Czech Republic, don't forget to come and say hi to us on social media and we will give you a proper shout out here on the pod. Now then, if you are a patron, you can join us next week for Talking Tipsy, where you can jump on a video chat with all of us and we will happily answer your questions and generally talk shit with you. So if you're not a patron already, why the dickens not? What are you waiting for? Get it whilst it's hot. Bloody hell, so much housekeeping. Right, before we go on, I'm duty-bound to remind you that the content from here on in is not suitable for little ears. What follows is mostly improvised and entirely inappropriate. Quite frankly, it's filthier than a coal miner's shovel. Listener discretion, as always, is advised. Now, this week, I am, of course, joined by the half-cut and in motley crew of abject depravity. Firstly, Returning from his music studio, where he has been perfecting a musical note, so pure it will literally make you shit yourself, it is your friend and mine, Lewis Budden, the voice of Aristobulus. How the devil are you doing, sir? <laughs> oh, you know, it's taking a brief time out from perfecting the brown note, as we call it. The brown it. note? Um, yeah, that's a real thing. <laughs> that's a real, real thing. thing. You can Google it. It is. Oh. Yeah, it is. It's like metal bros love it, you know. It's like so long, so you defecate. Chris, are you still on a work laptop? Always. So could you just Google the brown note? Has anyone found it? I'm not sure. Not going to make much difference to my usual work search history, so I might as well. Someone's having a work. He's already done it. He's already. I've got it uh, bookmarked (laughs) weirdly enough. Anyway, so don't worry about it. (laughs) Could you you attempt to do the brown note now for our listeners, maybe? Like. (laughs) <laughs> it, it cannot be audibly done. Well, it depends. Do you want ah. everyone to shit their pants? Well, I feel like we've already we've already had the um, safety warning, so why not? Uh, next up, <laughs> we have a man like who has written the very first sauna-based dessert cookbook. It is called Cream in the Steam. <laughs> it is Mr. Matt Durant, the voice of Pelsia. <laughs> that was a shit joke. How are you doing? Cream in the Steam that's coming out uh, later this month on uh, on um, Penguin Audiobooks, read by me. Penguin Audiobooks. In the sauna. Right, before we waste any more time, let me introduce our last player. He's last but not least, that is. We've got a true stickler of the rules, a man who has never walked on the grass, let alone rolled a cocked dice. It can only be the one and only Mr. Chris Neal, the voice of Tatty Bojangles. How the hell are you? What's up, heeples and sheeples? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm great. I'm ready to, uh, ready to walk on some not grass. You know, you're, you're, you're always, you know the rules better than anyone. Sometimes I think you're, you're like my conscience when it comes to playing by the rules. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a rules, I'm a, what you call it? I'm a rules lawyer, but I'm a public defender. So mm. I work for, uh, I work for the players for free. That's a lot of words for the term fucking narc, isn't it? That's a lot of words. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like Lewis is getting no help this week. <laughs> oh, sorry I called you a narc. <laughs> right. Lewis, you've been away for 500 years. So would you like me to read a recap and then you can ask any questions? Does that sound all right? 
Yeah, sure. Um, John, a um, let me ruffle my sponsor sheet of see who the sponsor oh, was. Oh yes, God, I'm so wildly unprofessional. Ruffle, ruffle, ruffle. Oh, we have our own foley eyes. Thanks, Chris. I appreciate that. Do some more ruffling for me. Do it more. Beautiful. This week, our lovely sponsors are um, Willie and Sons Creme de Meth. So good, you'll be hooked. Thank you again for that. Thank you, Willie and Sons. Wh- Willie and... Is that Creme de Meth? But with locally sourced creme ingredients. Right. Jesus Christ. When you say like, locally sourced, oh, yeah, like it's got like anal yeast in it or something. What? what it's creme what de meth, it? mate. It's meth. What more do you want? Oh, I see. Creme de meth. That's what it says on the what back you, what of the... What do you want? Uh... Fucking bath salts? Jesus fuck. I led a very sheltered childhood, all right? I don't believe that. It's creme de meth. So good, you'll be hooked. They paid me to say it twice. Ah, see, that was totally lost. I'm, I'm an innocent listeners. I'm an innocent. I see. I like that. And can you can you get that in your local <laughs> weather spoons? Where where does one pick up? Oh, surely, yeah. Just just outside. Bankers drafting share. Bit of bankers draft. They'll have it. Ah, the bankers draft. A great place. A great place. For those who've never been to Sheffield, the yeah. bankers draft is possibly the premier drinking establishment. The first time I ever went in there. I had to ask somebody where the toilets were. They pointed over to one corner. I walked over. A man literally walked out of the toilets and just spat on the carpet in front of me and walked off. <laughs> I fully believe and that. That's when I knew I'd found my local watering hole. <laughs> that, that, I, I believe that story. Yeah. Well, a segue seamlessly from that. Willie and Sons, Creme de Meth, our sponsor for this week. Buy one, be hooked for life. Right, let's segue into a recap. Last we left off with our intrepid adventurers, they had found themselves in a bit of a pickle, locked inside a shop, as they stood next to the body of the shop assistant that they had killed only minutes before. The shopkeeper hiding... Uh, that Marvin had killed. ...in the back. Marvin. Marvin. (laughs) Called the police. Marvin killed. Yeah, yeah. It's a group effort. The shopkeeper in question, of course... The police! (laughs) <laughs> the, the shopkeeper in question, of course, was none other than the illustrious Crocoborn socialite, Al Garundi, a man who had only the night before taken Belsiar on a wonderful candlelit dinner, not only feeding him well, but also ending the evening by sliding into Belsiar's cloaca, thus not only stealing his virginity, but also his heart. So, you could say that the current situation was a little bit awkward. Faced with this set of events, they did the only sensible thing that they could do given the circumstances. They made a funeral pyre and attempted to immolate the body before the police could arrive. Unfortunately, they were inside an airtight room and acrid smoke still started filling up the shop. Also, the police decided that now was the time to pay them a visit and turned up in the form of the infamous Carl Sodomy and Don Woodcraft. Belsia stepped up and disguised himself as Al Garundi himself, delaying the officers who scuttled off to get further help. The party took this opportunity to rally together and use their considerable powers of thievery to break out of the store and make a run for it down the back alleys. Obviously not before momentarily pausing to ensure that Al Garundi was aware that they were leaving and could get out the store before it burnt down around him. Wouldn't want to jeopardise Belsia's chance of a second date, right? Racing through the alleys and lanes, the party found themselves deep in the city's slums, known as the Stairs, where they were faced with a party of enforcers who charged them a pretty penny for passage through the filthy streets 
and out into the countryside surrounding the city. Free from the law and any instant danger, the party took a moment to pause in the bushes and have a well-earned rest. At that exact moment, they spied on the roadside ahead of them a stately carriage, pulling up and the driver tending to some fine-looking horses. Introducing themselves to the carriage's owner, they met an eccentric old aristocrat, known as Lady Wixley, who not only gave them a stiff drink, but also welcomed them to come and join her for a journey up the coast if they would act as protection from thieves and bandits. Quite frankly, an offer they would have been silly to refuse. Besides, Lady Wixley was so lovely, wasn't she? And so it was, the carriage pulled away as the party looked back at the plume of tenebrous smoke that billowed out from the heart of the city as it got smaller in the distance. And that is where we will pick up with this week's episode. God, there was a lot of recap there, I apologise. It's cool. Right, questions. Yes. What was my radio tits called again? Uh, The the earrings (laughs) of eavesdropping. Or radio tits. Thank you. As you've apparently just christened them. <laughs> uh, I like that. Radio, radio tits. Radio titties. <laughs> um, yeah, they were from Maud. Maud swallowed them. That's how the entire. That's how the entire thing kicked off. She swallowed them. Refused to pay for them. They're worth about four thousand gold pieces. Jeremy came out to you know try and get her to pay. Marvin killed Jeremy. The rest is history. Classic Marvin behaviour. Yeah. yeah um, I see we had it in him. Cool. Um, where are we heading? Do we know? I think Chris had said you were heading up the coast. We're on the way to Port Zoon. Port Zoon. Is that, uh, are we still getting the Emmentals? Mm. Yeah. Uh, Tatty's got, Tatty's got something that he wants to do in Port Zoon besides Ooh. that. A B plot. Uh, but nice. he'll, he'll probably see, he'll put, he'll probably see whether you guys want to join him or whether you want to, split off and go find the next Emmental. But we'll save that for we'll save that for narrative discussion. Yeah, for whatever happens, happens. You've just left Nicodranus. You're as we start maybe a mile away up the main road from Nicodranus. Port Zoon will be above oh. you and to the left. There's kind of almost like um a cove, if you will. It's around the other side of the cove. And just for your sake of memory as you lived through it, Port Zoon, where you're heading, Lewis, is where you burnt down a speakeasy and a discount pine warehouse, if you remember, when you threw a chihuahua at the barman and knocked over yeah, a candle classic. and burnt down a large proportion of the city. So you are going back into a city oh, which yeah, cool. you have nice. damaged. There are probably not many cities on the eastern or western seaboard that you haven't at some point, started a fire. Yeah. Over, you know. If the atmosphere is not hostile, what's the point? Cool. Gotcha. We kind of need to stagger them so, like, every six months we burn down somewhere new so we can go back to a place we've burned down before. Or touch just, them all. Yeah, it's like the, it's like the, it's like the statute of limitations. At some I point, it's got to run out, and we just, we just wait until it's, it's ran out for arson, and then we go back. And we just we just kind of interchange between the different cities yeah. on the west coast, like the GTA stars. You know? Everybody knows if you just hide around the corner, eventually yeah. they go exactly. Out. Yeah. Now yeah. on San Andreas, though, San Andreas they used to fuck you up, but alas, Lewis, you are you are in the carriage. Um, Lady Wixley is is a aristocrat, if you will. Um, she's she's a lady of money and of providence and. 
you're in a very fine horse-drawn carriage with crushed velvet <laughs> curtains and, you know, lovely seats. There's even a drinks cabinet in there. Pulled by two fine horses, who I think we were established last week, were called Ranger and Tiddles, um, from memory. And everyone's on board. I think you actually, Aristobulus, are on, are on the footboard at the front, if that's what it's called. No, it's not. You're up with the driver at the front. He's called Charles. Shotgun. He's like, you know, finally... Oh, okay, cool. He's wearing a fancy outfit, Charles. You know, he's he's properly liveried. Well, he's a swanky um, man. He is. You're sitting with him. Well. Uh, and then I think Chris little, was on the, little does on the he know at the back. He's also sat next to a swanky man. Why not have fun with the NCPs? You know, start as we mean to go on. I'd like to turn to him. <laughs> um, I'd like to... I forget exactly what I'm wearing because I know what at one point I was, before Christmas, I was wearing the old lady um, babushka outfit. And I don't Something. know if that's carried on, but... Um, it's only been about, weirdly, as much as you played that game at Christmas, probably in game time, it's been 24 hours. Um, so you're Excellent. still, you're, you're still <clears throat> wearing a, a a jumble of, you know, old lady clothes. Yeah, and some cowboy boots and but, stuff. Well, I mean, cool. you've, slipped, you've slipped the front of your frock down. As I said in the last episode, you are attaching two nipple rings currently as your hair in the front of your chest peaks over the top of a bodice. In my experience, you know, Aristotle likes to break the ice with um, well, any nipple-related conversation. Um, so as we've got quite a classy NCP, I'd like to turn around and be like, uh, hey, you're a classy man. What do you think about these? And just sort of jangle my radio tips um, just to see how he might respond, you know. You see, Charles is is a seasoned coachman as um, he's avoiding ruts and dips in the road and trying to control, control two horses. As you see, his eyes look sideways occasionally, watching you jaggle your hairy man boobs um, in his face as he keeps a level of professionalism and composure as, as mm. he's like, well, Matt, could you like just, you know, rein it in a little bit? No pun intended. Oh. Oh, so he's a prude. Interesting. <laughs> I'm not a Don't prude. Do too well I've got kinks, prude. all right? But right now, as you wheel around a pothole in the road, <laughs> he's like, I don't have time to stare at your, your wobbly bits, all right? <laughs> well, we're definitely going to have to elaborate about the kinks, aren't we? So um, I would say, what, if uh, this isn't your kind of thing, what is your kind of thing? ASMR, all right? ASMR. <laughs> but let's, we don't have time for that right now. Maybe if we stop hitting in, you can you can crinkle a piece of paper in my ear while sucking on my toes. All right, but like this, we don't have time for this right now. One of those things is ASMR. The the other thing is a different thing. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> Learning a lot about this guy. Wow. He looks over and he's like, right now I'm on the clock, all right? So if you could just nip this in the bud a little bit and uh, keep an eye out, you were hired to keep an eye out for bandits. Bandits, all right, cool. I'll give him that saucy little wink and then, uh, yeah, but I'll leave it for now because otherwise it's going to just, I'm going to derail this whole thing. I'll give, him a, I'll give him a zip, you know, the zip thing across the lip, like the... Hmm? <laughs> he, he, he looks at you and he gives you a smile and in the time it's taken him to look at you and give you a smile, uh, a travelling tradesman has walked out into the path of the road and you only just managed to veer around them. As back inside the carriage, you're all slightly thrown sideways as the carriage veers around the tradesman. Um, it's like Star Trek. 
Lady Wicks, <laughs> yes, just like Star Trek, everyone is knocked sideways. Um, as Lady Wixley shouts, she bangs on the back of the carriage inside and says, Charles, Charles, come on, I nearly spilled my gin. Belsia looks out the window and sighs, waiting for someone to ask uh, about his his feelings, but no one does. He's just like, <sighs> <laughs> Yeah. No one will either. <laughs> <laughs> no one ever will. <laughs> Can I? So I'm on the. I'm. I'm. I'm outside on the back of the. I'm outside on the back of the. The car, right? Cool. Is Hanash inside? Yeah. Oh no! I think Hanash might have been on the back with you. Actually, we'll say Hanash is on the back with you. Okay. Cool. And um, Maud and Belsie are inside with Marvin. Okay. Lady Barbara. Cool. Sorry about that, Matt. I cut, I cut you off. I just wanted to see where Hanash no, was. No, that's all right. No, it's fine. And, as Lady, like, Lady Wixley <sighs> has a very high emotional perception, as she looks over at you, Belsia, and she just pours you another gin and tonic, as she's like, well, whatever it is, it can't be that bad. I, I don't know, Lady W. Well. Some, some things you just can't come back to after burning down your lover's shop. But, en- oh, but no. enough about me. <sighs> no, no, it's okay. Better out than in. <laughs> Better out than in. Yes. Although I look old, I've had many affairs. I popped my hip out once whilst being schlepped by a Viscount. And it still hurts <laughs> on cold winter mornings. Sometimes love hurts. Sometimes the best love hurts the most. Sometimes you're not even yes. aware it's love until it hurts. I think that yes, that's that's what they say. Love hurts like your hip being popped out by a by a viscount or uh, uh yeah. Is, is, there, is ever... there a Mr. Lady? Oh, What's I'm that? I'm sorry. You you go first. Oh, is there a Mr. <laughs> yes, there is. I am married. I'm not originally a a, a Wixley. I'm 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 married. Um, my husband is called Warbarance Wixley. And we live on the Wixley estate, a rather well-to-do place, you might say, very connected in society. My husband breeds horses. He's a stud farmer. These two horses, Ranger and Tiddles, they're from, they're from his stud farm. And do you love him? <laughs> yes. Do you- I think I knew the first time I saw him getting horses to fuck that he was the man for me. <laughs> I looked I into him. Stallion. No, I didn't look into him. That sounds filthy. I looked at him and um, I just knew my heart fluttered. The, you make sure he knows that. If you have to call him on some, on some radio, radio tits, you tell him that when you see him. Oh, he knows. Do you know what? In and amongst all of our lovers and affairs, we make time for each other. That's how high society works. We always prioritize date night. In and amongst, you know, everything else. Concubines, mistresses, lovers, affairs. But you always make time for the one you love. Just sometimes the one you love can't fulfill you. Not deeply, anyway, in Warbrance's um, case. Do you think I could be in high society one day? She looks at you. She looks you up and down. She's like, I don't want to be racist, but I've never seen a wealthy crocoborn. I mean, yeah, I could, I could be the first. Well, I mean, I suppose. All of, your, all of your friends will be talking. What a scandal that would see, be. See what you can do. 
Maybe I could introduce you into society. We could take you to the to the balls. We could take you to a stately dinner. Yes. Yes, we could. No, no. Can you tell me, Crocoborn, can you waltz? <laughs> can you do the tango? Uh, no, but I'm a, I'm a quick learner. Do you know the skank step? Uh, <laughs> some, uh, do you know the skank step? <laughs> <laughs> do you know how to skank? Do you skank? Boy, do you skank? <laughs> no? Well, I could teach you the skank step. I mean, you know, after a few <laughs> drinks, I have to I have to loop myself up. A um very stiff. Right. So Okay. So yes, soon and not before too long, we will be back in my family estate. I mean, in, indeed, if you wish to come back and spend some time, you're more than welcome to rest up in Wixley Manor. There's at least 23 bedrooms we never use. Hmm. I could be your court wizard guy. Surely there's you a, a place for that. could be the magician. Yes. And, well, my son, Jonty, he needs a friend. Oh, great. Jonty. I mean... He just sits in his room all day, thwapping. <laughs> he really does need a friend to get him out of the manor. Like, I'm starting to worry for him. Bill sees his dreams of joining the aristocracy dwindling as he becomes... I, I, sh- I shit you not, before AJ said that, I was about to say, Belsiar, don't take the bait. Jonty mm. is definitely a fucking deviant. <laughs> yeah. Or a mannequin sure. or something. Like. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's just like a bunch of crows in a in a person suit. <laughs> he was a lovely boy before the rats got him. <laughs> As this is going on, you see um you see Cato the crow on your shoulder as he looks over at Lady Wixley and is like, "Oh, hello. I don't think we've been introduced." As Lady Wixley goes a shade of white and looks down at her gin, and she's like, is that, is that crow talking at me? Yeah, he's a talking crow. Um, it never really works out why he talks. I'm sure there's... Why do you talk, Cato, while, you, while you're here? Oh, dear God. I apologise on behalf of this croco-twat. It is lovely to meet you, Wixley, and we would love to be your guests at the manor. Also, please disregard the potato over there, which is currently drinking its way through the vodka in the drinks cabinet, as you all look over at Potato, who's just lying on his back, like emptying bottles of shots into himself. Pokato, in many senses, is a bit like Slimer from the Ghostbusters, except he's starch-based. <laughs> um, he just, like, flaps around, shoveling shit into his face. Right, how are we doing on the backboard? What are you and Hanash doing, Tati? Um, I think at first, when um, when they set off, Tati is just kind of, like, uh, looking at his feet. He's got his head in his thoughts a little bit. Um, he's thinking about what happened to Jeremy... Um, and he's thinking about, um, I can't remember it, who it was. It might've been Aristobulus that, that compared, um, Algarundi to Theolian. Um, mm. and he's thinking about, you know, are they, you know, Theolian was a very good friend of theirs. Are they doing enough to try and 
are they doing enough quickly enough to try and save him? Mm. Um, and then talking about being on the way to Port Zune, um, he remembers that this might be a a chance to go looking for Mellifluent Belchcrack's daughter. <laughs> um, Toad Flaps? Toad Flaps. Toad Flaps? That's right. Yeah, <laughs> that yeah, was yeah. her name? Yeah. She's called Toad Flaps. That's right. Princess Toad Flaps? Um, and he he kind of, I don't know, he has this he has this thing in his head where he's a bit like, well, if I can't do one, if I can't achieve one thing quickly, I can try and achieve this other thing quickly mm. and then go back to the first thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then when he, when he comes out of that kind of reverie, he just he just blinks, um, and I guess Hanash is just kind of like sat next to him. Um, he's gonna he's gonna turn to Hanash and say, um, how, "How are you? How are you feeling? Did you manage to get you managed to get any anything decent from from Algarundi's place?" He looks at you. He's like, <sighs> he looks up. He's been. Um... He's just been staring down at his um, snake. Not snake. He's been staring down at his spider fang axe, polishing it. He's very, very aware that one day he's going to accidentally like poison himself on the tooth, which is fairly dangerous. <laughs> as he's being very careful around it. Yeah, he looks at you and he says, "Yeah, I did. I took all sorts of things. I took this flute, and he shows you like a weird-looking wooden flute that's been um, chiselled." Very rough-looking wooden flute. Um, he shows you a stoppered bottle. You can't see it's not a glass bottle. It's kind of like a metal stoppered bottle. Um, you see a quirrell, is it? What do you want to call it? Like of, of arrows, like a bundle of arrows in a... in a um, What's the... Qu- oh, like a quiver. A quiver, thank you. Not quiver, I'm an idiot. Uh, a quiver of arrows. You see a quiver of arrows that he's picked up. Um, and you see something that looks a little bit like a wrist clasp with a razor-sharp knife attached to it. Is it the one from Assassin's Creed? Yes. <laughs> Similar. Um, so there's a flute, a metal stoppered bottle, some arrows in a quiver and um what looks like a wrist stiletto i guess i don't know i'll i'll probably leave I'll probably leave most of it with hunash i'll probably ask you know i'll ask if i can take a look at the the quiver of arrows um maybe the maybe the wrist clasp thing the like bracer thing um yeah i'll ask if i can take both of them just just to see what they are yeah as you take the arrows, you pull one of the arrows out of the quiver. It's slightly warm to the touch, and you notice um, on the point of the arrow engraved are um, flickering flames. The whole arrow is slightly warm to the touch as you pick it up. Hmm. Cool. Do I notice anything about the wrist clasp things? Yeah, as you pick it up. You accidentally nick the end of your finger. The stiletto is absolutely fucking razor sharp. It's like cat's claws. As you suck on the end of your finger, you make a note to secure it safely as it's like three molecules thick. It's razor sharp. It's a professional tool, is what I'm saying. It's not used to butter bread. It's it's a precise killing 
mm. machine. It's not designed to butter crumpets. Hmm. I think I might. Hmm. I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna put the the wrist clasps on and see if I can. I don't know. See if I can get used to them. Okay. Just like sat out here. If there's a way for me to. If there's a way for me to like experiment with the mechanism in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like with my hand. Um. Going like somewhere that, between see if I can, like. So you spend you spend it. a little while like somewhere between somebody trying to learn how to use a nunchuck without taking their own face off. And that scene at a taxi driver, um, you're, 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 you're learning to do the whole, like, you're looking at me, like kind of the little routine with your little wrist stiletto. Um, but you got that. And after a while you hear a knock on the headboard behind you as a little glass window opens and Lady Wixley pops her head out. She's slightly flushed. The end of her nose has gone red through too many gins as, um, she says, so, would you like to come back for dinner at Wixley Manor? I don't know where you're travelling to, but it's certainly on the way to Bord Zoon. You're more than welcome to stay for dinner and board, like I said to your croco friend, who's going to join me in high society. Um, we have about 23 spare bedrooms, and my son would love the company. Well, you know, if it's on the way to Port Zoon, and as you say, you've got those 23 spare bedrooms... We'll happily take you up on the offer, but only if it's no trouble. I mean, we have to meet the sun now. Oh, it's absolutely no trouble. <laughs> yeah, My God, we've got so many servants, now. we don't even know what to do with them sometimes. They just came with the house. They just breed. Every time I turn around, we seem to employ five more servants. Um, they always have a meal on hand. And quite frankly, my husband, Warburns, tells fucking hilarious stories about horses. You must hear the one about um, the Shetland. <laughs> well now you've i mean now now you're keeping us in suspense i simply can't wait to get there oh stop it as is there anything you particularly other than tatty kind of like flicking his wrist stiletto out um repeatedly as hanash looks at him with jealousy um is there anything you want to do on the journey, particularly on the way to Wixley Hall? It's not a long journey, but you could do it in a day. Is there, Lewis, is there anything you particularly want to do at the front of this coach? I was, I was about to say, much like a um, getting a sort of annoyed child up front, I was going to ask the driver, are we there yet? And how long is it going to take? Since he's, my, my advancements have been put on hold. Um, he looks around, he looks up at the sky, uh, he looks at the sun. He takes out like a theodolite and starts like taking some 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 readings. As he's like, yeah, so I think we we should be able. To- oh, my accent has changed. How interesting. He looks at you. He's like, <laughs> yeah, reckon we could probably be there by late afternoon. You know, if we don't stop, should we ride on? Yeah, we're not going to stop. We're not going to stop, and I can tell you why we're not going to stop. Because I'm going to cast that? command. Oh God. <laughs> Oh, no! No! I'm casting command, and I'm going to use my one word to say speed, as in drive fast, like break rules. Okay, yeah, sure. Um, Does he have to make a save? Is it a wisdom saving throw? Yeah, 14. 14. Wisdom saving throw, 14 for Charles... The coachman, here we go, um, he gets an 11. 
Um, Yay, we're getting there in Charles, half time, boys. Charles goes like slightly skewy eyed for a while and then just starts going, and like flailing the, the reins at the horses as um, speed starts picking up. Now, inside, you don't really notice this at first because it's a gradual thing, but the horses are, you know, really going at it. Lewis, you know this from the from the front. Um, you see foam flicking up on the horses' um, mouths as the carriage picks up incredible pace. Um, he's no longer swerving around stuff. You see other traffic is now no longer a hindrance. Um, as you see um, a couple out walking down the side of the road as he ploughs dangerously close to one side. Both of them throw themselves into a gorse bush, diving out of the way as you just hear the man behind you as you speed by, as he's like, hey! As both of them tumble. Um, You come blazing forwards... um, towards a toll point you see in front of you um is a local toll um for a bridge as the as charles shows no sign of slowing down good good ah good just what we like is there a like a queue of other carts at the um at the toll at the toll bridge um, no, but what you do see is uh, two toll officers step out into the road in front of you. One of them flashes a badge as the other one holds up a hand flat to to hail you down to, to pay the um, toll for using the bridge over the river. Um, at this point, Charles nope. is showing no signs of slowing down. I think just because he doesn't know any better at this point, Tati's just going to be like, um, Charles? You want to slow down for these for these two? These Can you two see nice this? Men? You're facing the other way, aren't you, Charles? <laughs> um, so both toll officers. I mean, if we've sped up, if we've if 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 yeah. we've sped up, I think we, I, me and Hanash would probably notice. You've noticed it's getting uh, bumpier. Considerably. I think, yeah, I just the wheels are bouncing. Um, as you see, you've now only got about twenty meters. As both officers look at each other, realize. Um, that this horse and carriage are not going to stop. Um, Get out of the way! <laughs> as I just shout. Both, I just shout, get out of the way. <laughs> oh, yeah. One of them rolls a 21 and dives out of the way. The other one looks on gormlessly, his legs not able to move as fast as his mind. As you see him crushed underneath the hooves of the horses, there's a mangled poof. Um, as you look behind you and you just see the twisted, broken form of one of the officers still holding his badge out at one hand. Um, as you hit the bridge, everything ramps up as you get a small amount of air of the carriage. As you hit the deck, everyone inside is thrown sideways. Lady Wixley turfing her gin into your face. Um, Belsia as uh, Marvin is spun <coughs> through the air upside down. I'm gonna just take out as we as we go past the um, the uh, I, I guess like the gate where yeah. the officers were. I'm just gonna take out a pouch of like ten gold and just hook it. Wow! <laughs> onto the road. Yeah. As you see, as you throw, it hooks onto the door handle of the toll house, and you just see the the loop <laughs> on the bag spinning around. As the other <laughs> officer just ducks his head out of the door of the toll house, and he's like. Oh, Jesus. Mike? That was cl- 
Mike! As he looks down the road and goes running, as you just see Mike is twisted and like broken in the road. <laughs> as one, that's the last one day from retirement. <laughs> He's still wearing the cheap gold watch with with his name emblazoned on the that back. He got earlier that day. <laughs> right. As you all blaze at, at, at high speed, making your way through the countryside, um, just everything blurring and whizzing by. Tatty, at one point, you're traveling so fast at this point, you're almost going back to the future. Um, you <laughs> could swear at one point that you overtake. Um, have you ever seen like a fabric wagon, the kind that travelers use with a lovely kind of domed top? There's there's a wagon, oh, yeah. there's a sort of like traveller's wagon oh, on yeah, the yeah. road, um, and you could swear you hear children singing and um, a priestess um, riding in a white horse <laughs> down the side of the road um, as you go blazing by at like 120 miles an hour. Some part of you thinks you may just have passed Sister Perineus taking the orphans um, away oh. from Nicodranus, but you'll never get to know because you were traveling so fast well what were the children singing um the children were singing a little um shanty about a sea turtle you, are you aware of, oh I, wait oh the shanty um are you aware of afro man because i got high are you, are you... <laughs> You're <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think that you, yes that well-known yeah, shanty well sea shanty afro man because i got high um, <laughs> sorry aj couldn't resist <laughs> welcome to the high seas <laughs> yeah no the children the children are singing a little shanty they'd heard about a drunken um dragon turtle who got so drunk one day she sailed into town as you blaze by after a while, you start reaching a more kind of suburban area. You you fly through the center of a town, people diving out your way. You see people with, at one point, um, a tradesman carrying a cage full of chickens dives out the way as the cage yes. bursts open and chickens just flutter through the air. Tatty, you just, through the back of that, you're just, you see all the white feathers kind of hanging in the air and fluttering. Um, are there two? You, are there two men carrying a pane of glass across the road? Yeah, I was just gonna say, chickens <laughs> is our version of the pane of glass. Like, <laughs> there's there's also a homeless person pushing a shopping trolley full of the, all their possessions oh, they no. own in the world that gets knocked out. Will they and get out of the way in time? Yeah, no fruit um, and or vegetables. Mm-hmm. There's a melon salesman. <laughs> One or the other. That's great. As after a while, you leave. I think. The, oh I think Tatty just Tatty just assumes that Tatty just assumes that Charles is either a moron uh, or he's he's like an idiot savant. Like he's terrible <laughs> at everything, but he seems to be really great at driving. Um, so if he sees anyone out on the road, he's just going to be shouting to them, "Get out of the way!" He's very much the Ayrton Senna of um, horses and carriages. Um. Right. So you, after a while, leave the towns and cities and you make your way across what look like fields and fields of corn. It is both sides of the road have um, arable crops on them. And after a while, at speed, you take a sudden handbrake through two stone gateposts and you find yourself flying down a driveway 
with um, immaculately cut gravel on it. Now, it's almost like each piece of gravel has been measured and cut um, as you fly down a driveway. And in the distance, you can see a tall, stately building, um, three stories high, with a beautiful garden out the front with a fountain and those kind of like immaculate hedges uh, all bordered off with lovely flowers. And um, as you approach, you can see there's lots of ground staff um, tending the lawns and the flower beds. Um, as you blaze your way down the driveway at 110 miles an hour, flicking up gravel, Tati, you see out the back, you're just turfing up gravel as um, the groundsmen are all pelted in razor-sharp white marble gravel. But none of them stop working because they're attentive, if nothing else. I think Tati kind of takes note of how these people are being... Obviously, if these people are carrying on working, even after being injured, uh, he takes this as a sign that these people aren't being treated super great Um, and just just files that away into information that he may make use of at some point. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Tati, what's your passive perception? Passive perception is 18. That's pretty high. You notice a high percentage of these workers are goblins. As you make your way down the driveway, come in at breakneck speed um, to the fountain and the flower beds out the front. Charles, travelling ridiculously fast, attempts to bring a carriage to a halt. Woof, with an 18, smashing through the flower beds, uprooting several hedges and spinning to a stop, firing shingle into the front of the house. Charles stops, both horses looking absolutely exhausted and bedraggled. Charles slumping forward, sweat pouring down his brow. You've arrived outside Wixley Manor. Hey, this fucking guy. I'd like to point out that that command is probably one of the best commands I've ever done because it actually worked <laughs> as it was supposed to. So, yeah. So we and, we, and, we only, and we only potentially killed one person. Oh, so, yeah. Good for you. Good, good for you, pal. As a chicken that was caught in the wheel arch just comes clucking out, you just see a chicken that's been caught in the wheel arch for about the last 40 miles, like, burst out as it shoots across the lawns, um, making a break for freedom. Still alive? Yeah, still alive. No, no problem. Um, no issue there. What are you warding? As Lady Wixley is like, Charles, I don't know what has gotten into you. Seriously, we must have words. Charles is still high on speed. <laughs> <laughs> as he just dismounts and just sprints across the driveway, full pelt like the T-1000. <laughs> oh, yeah. It doesn't... It, do- it doesn't... <laughs> It hasn't worn off yet. <laughs> he's a he's a new man. Yeah, he's a new man. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I think Tati's gonna go and I think Tati's gonna go and check on the horses. Uh, just like I don't know, just try and like brush brush the horses, make sure that they're all right. They are very uh, very hot to the make touch. Sure that they're-, they're all foaming and somewhat unhappy. They they are covered in in dust and dirt, and neither of them look particularly over the moon from an animal welfare point of view. Are there, you know, the the staff that we saw when we were on the way in, is there anyone coming over to, like, essentially, like, stable stable hands? Is there anyone coming over to, like, 
take the horses reins and take them away um as you look around the staff who were in gardening all had their jobs and they barely broken a sweat there was somebody in the central water fountain area just outside the front of the stately home um they're now looking they were looking at they had a set of shears and they were immaculately manicuring a hedge which has now been blown asunder as they're just holding the shears, looking at the mangled mess that used to be the hedge that they'd spent the last 20 years finally loving and caring. <laughs> um, as you see, the hedge a was rotund elderly man in a tweed jacket and a monocle <laughs> hobble out of the massive doors. As he says, um, he says, Margaret, Margaret, what the hell are you doing? You're three hours early. I did not expect you back until early evening. Also, what is up with Charles? He says, buttoning up his pants. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. He's, he's still got that. I'm feeling spicy tonight. He's still got his shirt tail sticking out the front of his flies. Um, as he's like, what, 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 why? And what is wrong with Charles? Um, Margaret has no idea. Margaret's like absolutely sozzled at this point. She pretty much steps out the front of the carriage, almost collapsing. And she is like, oh, Charles, not right now. I need I need a disco nap. As she waddles her way in, she turns, um, leaning heavily on Charles. And she's like, Charles, these are our guests, the crunk fuckers. They will be staying for dinner. <laughs> make sure the, the house servants make arrangements for them. As Charles sees her off back into the house and is like, Margaret, maybe I stay away from naked flames. You're pickled. Jesus. As he turns, he's like, well, welcome to Wixley Manor. <laughs> um, doing his best to style out the fact that um, his flies are unbuttoned and uh, he's looking at the destruction of the flower bed behind the carriage. Um, good to meet you. No, it's, it's always lovely I was, to meet. I was going to say, I kind of want to take Wixley uh, by the arm and be like, so I, I must meet your boy. I've heard wonderful things about him. Oh, John T. <laughs> yes, he never comes out of his room. I want to get straight to that hot mess. His curtains are always shut. The servants are terrified of him. And there's just a wet thwapping noise coming all the time. And quite frankly, well, my God, the amount of... Dirty socks that boy gets through is phenomenal. But anyway, there'll be time for that later. Well, yes, like, wow. <laughs> he sounds like a man after my own heart. Where could I find this pervert? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I mean, do you not want a tour first? I mean, all right. <laughs> I'm going to really begrudgingly, like... No sell a tour of the manor I mean, house purely just to find this weird little guy. He's probably having one off the wrist up in his bedroom. So maybe we could, like, you know, give him a little bit of warning. Nobody wants to see him trow down, do we? <laughs> fine. Again. Lucky I don't command her real quick, but fine. fine. Okay. Go on. Look, Let's see how your impressive you, manner then I get. We like to do our bit for the community, and it is lovely to see all of you. Um, as he looks down at a small potato that's tugging on the bottom of his tweed trousers, as he's like, oh, right, well. As- 
Sorry, I can't resist doing an impression of Paketo. As um, <laughs> he very gently takes his cane and just shoves Paketo off. Um, he uses... Have you ever seen in, like, fancy homes, they have, like, a boot scraper um, at the front door? As he uses the boot scraper <laughs> oh, yeah. to, like, scrape a feral potato off his boot. As Paketo gets caught in the <laughs> scrapers, he's like... Um, as he's like, welcome to Wixley Manor. Belsfield's like... Paketo. As um, lovely, Paketo lovely to meet you. Uh, comes charging back to you, holding a small flap of tweed in his teeth that he's ripped off Wixley's trousers. <laughs> As Wixley's like, oh well, welcome to Wixley Manor. Been in my family for five hundred years, many generations. Stud farmers, the things we could do with equestrian seamen, you would not believe. Um, Tatty is going to follow, I guess if we're all going in as part of the tour, he'll follow everyone in, but he'll ask, uh, Barbara to stay outside and, um, just, just, uh, just patrol the gardens, I guess. Just try and be nice to people. Um, Wixley turns. Stay outside. He sees what you're doing and he says, your wolf is welcome. We do have dogs. Oh, that's that's very kind of you. Yeah, come on, come on, Barbara. Let's uh, let's pop inside. You can meet some of the other dogs as, and as, try not to kill them. As, yeah, as you go in, you just hear a like <laughs> as like a pack of demented whippets come running around the corner. <laughs> as he's like, here they are. As Barbara's like surrounded by slathering whippets who are all just like bounding and leaping all over her. Try not to breed. One rule. Please don't breed. These are fine dogs of pedigree. Um, very, Pocato? no, no, very inbred. Spicato <laughs> cocks a <her> leg. <laughs> you see a tiny little like. Oh, yeah. Tati's gonna lean down to Barbara and just just say, just just if you know, I'm very I'm very sex positive. Whatever you want to do is is fine with me. But if something's happening and you're not and you're not down for it. Just give me the signal, and I'll I'll kick a whip it. I'll I'll get you out of whatever whatever situation these these fucking greyhounds have got you into. Um, although you're probably not using speak with animals right now, you two have had so many kind of like um, health and safety sex talks that you've. It's almost like when you get on the plane, you kind of know the warnings you're going to get off the air hostess. <laughs> you know what the symbols mean when, when you're like, you know, strap mm. in, belt up, gas mask. You know, Barbara knows, like, you know, your erogenous zones are here, 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 and here. Um, your safety exit is here. Like, she's well, she's well aware of the sex talk. You've, you've got it down before. to, like, air hostess style levels of efficiency. Mm. Horrible. But on a dog... If you do find yourself in a sexual encounter, <laughs> condoms will fall from the ceiling above you. Please, please apply your own condom before helping others. <laughs> there we go. There we go. There we go. As you make your way into Wixley Manor, you get a tour from um, uh, Charles because um, Margaret has gone for a lie down. As Charles walks you into one of the lounges, you see on the wall these amazing oil paintings. Um, as 
at first they look like, you know, lots of ancestors and important stately people, most of which are like sitting in an armchair reading a fire. But after a while, you realize there's some fairly like horrible colonial style paintings of various people who look like they earned their money through less than positive means through the exploitation of different cultures and peoples um, for their own gain. Are there any crocoborn or um, dragonborn? You at first think you see one of your another crocoborn um, across the side of one of the rooms, and on closer inspection, it is a, a taxidermied crocoborn um, that's just been stuffed, and you can still see the bullet hole in it as it's been taxidermied up oh, and been dear. given like. Um, but but Belsia's got no problem with ch- child skulls, but. A taxidermied crocoborn that crosses the line. Um, the crocoborn is still in its um, native, like, garb, like traditional formal wear. <laughs> sequined tuxedo. Yeah, like a sequined tuxedo. <laughs> <laughs> the sequined tuxedo just has a bullet hole just above the heart. Um, uh, I, th- I, think the, I think the dress code you're looking for is Louisiana swamp formal. Yes. <laughs> It's a pair of dungarees, but it's got the, like, anal flap unbuttoned and hanging down at the back. As is the style of my people. Which is the crocoborn, the crocoborn way. As um, Charles is like, well, would you like to make yourselves at home? Maybe, you know, take a wander around the grounds. Maybe just, you know, rest here for a while. I can show you up to your rooms if you like. Dinner won't be ready for maybe an hour or two. Um, I will let um, polyester, that's the, the, the head chef, um, know that um, you're coming. Thank you. I think uh, just a little, a little time, a little time to rest before dinner. Apologies to interrupt you. Any dietary needs? Any allergies or preferences? Yeah, yeah. I only eat ass. (laughs) (laughs) He looks at you for a while as he goes. He goes slightly pale and the monocle that he was clasping in his left eye just falls out and hangs from a small chain as he's like, (laughs) you only eat us. Uh, I want to be like full on cracking up after that. (laughs) (laughs) Slapping the thigh, full on, just having a minute. One of those kind of laughs where you have to hold on to a banister for a minute, you know, really take a step. <laughs> you're, just, you're, just, you're just going for a wheezy laugh, almost just like hacking up phlegm. You're laughing as a wet kind of phlegmy. Like, <laughs> Dead silence in the like room. Like a Sid James. Me. As he's like, right, well, I'll, um, uh, yes, I'll leave you to... Oh, yes, did um, did, did you want to meet John T? Oh, yeah. Show me that little freak. See what's going on. Okay, what do the rest of you want to do whilst Aristobulus is going to see Jonty? Um, Tati's going to take uh, Barbara and go to their room, I guess, the, the, the spare room. Um, he's going to yeah. drop Barbara off. At, yeah, he's going to drop Barbara off in the room, make sure she's comfortable. Um, and he's going to just um, let her know that he's... He's going to go for a quick walkabout to see if he can talk to one of the one of the house staff, mm-hmm. one of the goblins. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. As you make your way up to your Stealthily, room, if you can. Um, you've been pointed there by one of the house staff, um, kind of like an, an, an older lady. Uh, she takes you to your room, up a set of um, a flight of very beautifully carpeted stairs. And they're such fine stairs. They've got that really weird fucking thing where there's like a metal bar at the base of each step holding the carpet in place. If you, yeah, if you've ever been to like a proper swanky mm. home. Um, as you make your way up, holding on to the banister and rails, you are shown several doors down into a room which just smells crisp and clean. As the door opens, you can you can just smell essential oils. Um, as you see a four-poster bed and uh, a beautiful veranda that opens up with a view of the gardens, um, a writing desk which is already equipped with any kind of material you may need, a very healthy-looking ficus, in the corner, um, and it's got one of the really cool things on the desk, which is a bit like, you must have seen them. They're almost like somewhere between a barometer and a thermometer. They're made of different chemicals held in glass spheres floating, and depending on where the different spheres of density float, you can tell what the air pressure and temperature are. They've got, like, some pretty cool shit here. And on the wall, some generation of Wixley from hundreds of years ago staring down at you. Um, looks a little bit like Margaret, but younger. Colonialist bitch. <laughs> Tatty walks out of the room and is going to stealthily, stealthily go and find one of the one of the house staff, preferably one outside. Actually, so you've left Barbara in the Just room. Just say now, lads, if we if, if we don't rob something from this place, then there really is no hope. Like we've got to take some mm. stops, surely, surely. It's got to burn down at some point. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave Barbara in the room. I'll probably probably um, make get her comfortable in the four poster bed. I'm literally about to say that. Brilliant. I was going to say, yeah. As you go to leave, Barbara jumps up in the bed. You tuck her in. She has a good little snooze. As you go to close the doors of the veranda, staring out at the garden, you just see Charles sprinting at 100 miles an hour down the garden <laughs> as you cock an eyebrow at him and close the door, um, making your way back down the corridor the way you found it. Coming to the top of the stairs, you look down at the grandeur of this home in the entranceway. It's got one of those checkerboard floors of black and white tiles that kind of interweave, and you you realise you've, you've landed on your feet here. These people have money. Um, as you pass Aristobulus going the other way, heading towards John T's room, as you're now on the first floor, making your way mm-hmm. down the corridor, there's about 12 doors on the left and 12 doors on the right and various marble statues and paintings on the wall. I still have my weird chaperone, though, right? Yes. You're being followed at distance by um, a small dwarf who's always, as you slow down, they slow down. As you speed up, they speed up. They're always (laughs) staying equidistant away from you. Fantastic. All right, well, I'm going to do that thing where I take one step forward, two steps back, just to (laughs) see if he copies me. Um, As you look back, yes. Um, they stay Brilliant. at an exact perfect distance from you, almost like you're in lockstep, as the expression goes. Oh, fantastic. Well, just to make sure it, we are in tune, I'd like to take one more step forward really quickly and then two steps to the left and then turn around and see. <laughs> um, as you spin around, you just see a small dwarf sighing and then almost like a Korean dance <laughs> mat, he just breaks out into power moves. And bursting to the left and the right and does a jig back behind. 
Okay, and for the third and final time, because obviously it's, this is great, um, I'm going to take one step forward, one step back, and then do a cartwheel. <laughs> Comedy comes in threes, people. Uh-huh. Get um, your pen out. <laughs> As he follows you backwards, forwards, to the left. Gonna... Christ, he rolled a 19. As you just see a small tubby dwarf doing a cartwheel as his beard tucks over his face as he comes back. Um, You see him, like, just massaging his wrists as he's like, oh, bloody hell, Jesus Christ. I'm not the build for this kind of shit. What do you want? This is exactly what I wanted to do when we said we'd start playing D&D. This is all I ever wanted to do. (laughs) Make a dwarf. (laughs) (laughs) nothing else make Make a dwarf do cartwheels yeah (laughs) yeah all right cool that now now that meat cue is over um i'm gonna (laughs) i'm gonna point to one of the doors and back is this where the little pervert lives the little pervert oh jaunty Uh, second door on the third uh, second door on the right cool maybe not i'm gonna go there i'm gonna knock on Um, you just hear a little voice says, Oh, what now? <laughs> um, I mean, I don't really know what I'm doing there, so I'm just going to knock on and be like, um, Want to make a new friend? Oh, don't like where this is going already. Because oh. he's like, Mummy, is that you? Already, already eject, bad. Eject, eject, abort, abort. Mummy, I've told you, I'm busy. <laughs> um... Fuck. All right, I'm going to go. Um, I've been sent from the church. Oh, okay. <laughs> Come in. <laughs> okay, I'll walk in. I'm going to walk in. As you open the door, you're hit by... I'm, I'm watching what Mr. Neil's doing here. What? This is... <laughs> I'm so excited. I'm so excited. <laughs> Even Lewis has admitted that he's he's in he's on chaotic ground. I'm so fucking happy. Yeah, I've no idea where he's going to go next. Yeah, thank God clipping isn't a thing. This is going to yes. be exciting. Um, right. Yeah. As you as you crack the door open, you're hit by a waft. Um, it smells like wet sawdust and semen in there. Um, everything is dark. The curtains are drawn, and there's just—I dread to say it—waxy tallow candles um, spluttering on um, candle holders. As you see the four-poster bed with the covers asunder, there's no one in the bed, and just on the floor, strewn are various clothes and the remains of half-eaten meals. You see, like, some of the meals are in, been there for days. There's, like, maggots crawling in the meals. As you see at the far end of the room, as your eyes stop watering, um, you see at the far end of the room is a wing-back chair facing away from you towards the curtains of the veranda, which are drawn. You see in the corner what was once a pot plant, which is fully dead now, as no sunlight has entered this layer for some time. This is quite the uh, wank palace you've got yourself here. How old is this kid, by the way, this guy? He's he's young 20s. He's about 22, something like that. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. So I'm just going to open-endedly ask. And it looks like you've done uh, quite a lot of damage in here lately. Who who are you? As you step forward, you through your sandals, you feel something wet. As you look down, you've just stepped on a Kleenex. 
Um, as touched between <laughs> your big toe, he's like a wet Kleenex. Um, but <laughs> to answer that question, I mean, surely I must think of me more as a passerby, a moment, an experience. Don't wonder, wonder about the here and now. Just think about the moment that you might be having in the future. And tell me, what is it you do? Well, I knew it. Well, I'm not staying that long. Oh, God, mummy, daddy. Are you one of the new staff? Look, piss off. Take the plates if you must, but just leave me alone. I'll take a hot minute to look to see if there's any um, good scraps or remains, you know. Crunk fuck is going to crunk fuck, you know. You got to have a quick little um, look around, see if he's got anything. I mean, good. you look around, the ones with the, the most recent looking tray. There's a kosh or a cloche, I think it's called, like a silver dome over the top. Yeah. And as you lift it up, you see a cold chicken wing. Mm. Interesting. I'm going to ignore the chicken wing, but to prove that I'm not some kind of, as I called Chris earlier, a narc, <laughs> um, I'm going to pick up the cloche. I'm going to place it on my head like a fancy hat and say, would a member of staff do this? And just start twirling around his room. <laughs> With a cloth from the head. He hasn't, he hasn't actually, as you dance a merry jig, he hasn't looked around from the wing back chair. Um, <laughs> you just hear him. He's like, Oh, I'm, <laughs> I, 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 I'm rather busy right now. In which case, I'm going to say, Oi, and I'm going to lob the, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to dash the cloth at his head. I'm not going to lie. Like some kind of, like some kind of masturbating Bond villain. He's just looking out the window in this chair. <laughs> <laughs> As, choking the chicken as, as the cloth oh, bounces God. off the back of no, the chair Mr. no Mr. Jones I expect you to <laughs> <laughs> as you throw the cloth at him it bounces off the back of the chair as you hear him he's like oh God oh I've lost my rhythm now Jesus Christ man wow oh what's the point as you see you hear a ruffling noise as he tucks something away and he steps up, he's uh, just wearing like a dressing gown, which he now tightens around himself. And you see he's barefooted and barelegged. As in one hand, he's holding um, like a small family portrait that he's clearly been masturbating to one of his like great, great, great grandmothers or something. Um, wow. As he puts it, you see like a, there's a discolored patch on the wall as he rehangs the picture, um, tightens up his dressing gown. And it's like, oh, well, you're not what I expected. Uh, you're kind of exactly what I expected. Um, <laughs> I, I'm going to ask about the portrait. I've got to ask. Uh, uh, lovely, lovely picture you've got there. Yes, it is, isn't it? Um, the artist really captured um, the liveliness in her eyes. Oh, God. Is it even a nude? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's definitely dead. Right. She's definitely dead in the photo. Yes. Um, it's like his great, great, great grandmother. No, she's not dead in the photo. Um, no, she's not. It's not like a mortuary picture. I mean, it's of his great, great grandmother who's definitely expired since then. As as he's like, well, the, the beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And quite frankly, you know, uh, material is hard to come by around here. It's not like oh. lovely ladies just wander into the estate. Ah, Okay. See, I'm going to almost take a pity in him here. And I'm going to be like, seems to me like you're running a little dry on material, in which case you need to expand your imagination, less on the incest pictures and more, getting creative with what's around. I'm going to start trying to pick up the other cloches, 
at one point I'd like to even pick up the chicken leg and be like, mm, probably not. Looking around, you know? Oh, stop it. I'm going more flaccid by the minute. Seriously. I mean, what around here could inspire... mean this, <laughs> this old man dressed as a babushka isn't doing it for him. <laughs> what? <laughs> I have exotic tastes, but even I would struggle to, to feel the spark of arousal looking at a filthy pervert dressed in a washerwoman outfit. Look, I don't get out much, I will admit, but... If you'd like to be friends, as he reaches out, he reaches out a hand to you, his right hand. As oh, he's not a touch of that. No, absolutely not. I'm oh. not going to shake that. Um, <laughs> I was like, it takes a perv to know a perv, good boy. Um, absolutely put the hand away. Um, as he shuffles a hand away, just wiping it, it on the bedspread. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> this guy's pretty gnarly. I feel like this is the first time I've met someone akin to the uh, the levels. You know, this is this is a new thing. Um, I'm in two minds of where to take this. I've got either way. I feel like he deserves some help here because you know, kindred spirits in a in a way. Although I don't really want to associate with this guy, but also he seems like he needs some guidance. So I'm going to get to know him slightly more first, and I'll ask him. Um, how do you spend your time here, apart from the chronic masturbating? Um, sometimes I chase the servants around the halls, and um, <laughs> sometimes I sneak into the kitchens to eat food late at night. Um, I tried the stables, but um, it was not my kink. So I mostly just stay in my rooms, and I eat, and occasionally mummy makes me take a bath. Oh, wow. Hate, hate the mummy thing. So, um, okay, I hope this catapults the XP and doesn't diminish from it. It sounds to me like you need a hobby. Fabulous, <laughs> the therapist. It, it, it sounds to me like you need a hobby. Masturbation and is a hobby. from one pervert to another, we know you, you you can only visit the bank so many times before your card gets declined. <laughs> so, my good boy, what I want to do is take another passion of mine, and I'm rummaging around on my, on my stuff that I've got, you know, my inventory. You know, I, yeah. I pull out the, the holy reliquary, and I'm like, nope, not that. And it's a bit like Mary Poppins' handbag for mm -hmm. a perverted priest. <laughs> You know, yeah. the sensor, the candle, the cross, the crossbow at one point. No, put that back, put that back. Come out to flashlight. Didn't we pick up some, some books? It was probably the same place that we picked up the kimonos. Didn't we pick up some books of like elvish porn or something yeah, like that? Yeah, a long time ago. I'm going way more wholesome. I'm taking the two, but what do you get when you add a perv and a perv? A wholesome outcome. So <coughs> I'm going to give him or offer him. Not the flute, obviously, I need that. But I'll give him a small harp and be like, my boy, your busy hands need a busy instrument. Take this. Learn its, its mysterious, sultry ways. You can, you can do well with this. Pass it over. As you hear him go, do-do-do-do-do-do-do, as he's like, oh, I could learn to strum. Yes. <laughs> as he's exactly, like, precisely. Oh, this... Okay. Would you teach me? Teach me to strum. 
Uh, <laughs> is this the cut scene? Is that end scene? <laughs> yeah, we're gonna <laughs> leave you like there. You, you're gonna go. You're gonna have to. Get, you're gonna have to go full on ghost to show this guy how to use a harp. You're gonna have to have the arms around. <laughs> As unchained melodies, crusty sheets, my old hands around his. <laughs> right, as we're going to pan back out to uh, Tatty. Where, what, and where, and what are you doing? Presumably, at this point, Belsiar is just walking around the collection of colonial art and um, misappropriated historical artifacts that have been stolen from other people's lands, which currently um, decorate the house. And misappropriating for my own needs. Um, but we'll go to Tatty. Tatty, where and what are you up to? Yeah, I think I want to stealthily head out to the gardens mm. and talk to one of the goblin staff. Mm-hmm. I'm quite happy to roll stealth for like get for like getting around the. I don't mind being spotted by the other staff. It's just like the family, mm-hmm. uh, the Wixleys. I don't want to be spotted by. Maybe a stealth roll. Um, let's, uh, 19? 19. Yeah, yeah 19. You, you, there's various points where you have to press yourself against a wall and hide behind a curtain as um, Charles comes bustling through with a bunch of leads with like four demented whippets on it. Uh, with their tongues lolling out the front of their mouth as you make your way into the front garden as you... Look around. Um, you see off to one side, the hedge has a hole in it and there's a metal gate that says Rose Garden. As you push the latch up on the gate and make your way into the back garden, you see a small goblin with a wheelbarrow full of fertilizer just sprinkling it on beds of roses. Question. Do I have, you know... Uh, the uh, informa- I know we got information from Mellifluence before she died. Did she yes. give us that crest? She did. Yeah, she handed it to you. Like, was it on like it was it on like a scrap of paper or something like that? Um, it was ripped off some livery. It was a badge or a crest that had been on some a tabard that had been ripped off. Okay, um, I'll go over to the. Um, to the person that's like gardening um is this one of the goblins did he say yeah so just for any listeners who've turned up by the way and weren't here in like episode nine or something ridiculous like that just as a bit of backstory the adventuring party met a goblin priestess called mellifluence belchcrack whilst they were looking for the fabled orbs of tartarus and after some small combat tatty shot her in the lung and she scuttled off into the darkness they later found her on her deathbed dying and wheezing, and as Tatty attempted to euthanize her and put her out of her misery, um, she asked as one last favor if the adventuring party could track down her daughter, Toadflaps, who had been stolen by poachers and taken to Port Zoon, and the only clue she had was a small scrap of material that had been taken off a livery or a tabard that had the Stank family crest on it, which was um, a bunny rabbit with the Stank family name at the bottom and the words he said from memory because he's going to get it slightly wrong. Uh, hang fire. Carnes, Carnes Lusum, I believe. Uh, Carnes Lusum. Seize the dog. And speak Latin. So. Uh, no, not Canis, Carnes. 
C-A-R-N-I-S. Carnes. More like pork. <laughs> yeah, meat. <laughs> yes. Or flesh. Carnitas. So, yeah, you're in the there Rose Garden go. with one of the goblins who is keeping one eye on you whilst he's got like a tiny shovel and is just shoveling fertilizer onto beds of roses. Shit. Uh... I'm gonna I'm gonna walk over and just say good day. Do you mind if Do you mind if I um, admire the, the the gardens with you? Yeah, sure. Your handiwork, I suppose. Well, mine and others. What, what can I do you for? Uh, it's very, you know, it's a very very picturesque scene that you've created here. She's looking around um, nervously. I was wondering if I could. Um, uh, I was wondering if I could ask you something. Um, sure. Yeah. I'm going to take out the, 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 the crest. Um, and I'm going to say, do you recognize this crest? Um, I'm looking for, um, I'm looking for a goblin that was captured and taken to Port Zune. Um, and this is the only thing that I've got to go on. Um, I, I must admit, I'm kind of uh, at a bit of a loss for clues at the minute. So any information you could give me would be very much she, appreciated. She's sweating um, furiously as she goes to wipe some sweat off her brow and just smears fertilizer across her forehead as she's like, but look... I don't want to get in any trouble here. I just want to do my job. Um, I mean, when you say captured, we're all captured. No. Like, all of us are. You think any of us want to be here? You think any of us asked to be here? I mean, we might live in slightly better conditions than we would. All of us were taken. Oh. And as for that, Crest. Uh, do you get paid to be here? Well, we get food and lodging. Mm, not the same. Uh, all right, okay, just going to file that away in the old brain. Um, please continue. You were saying something about the crest. Yeah, of course I recognise the crest. That's the Stank family crest. You must have heard of the Stanks. Famous wine merchants? Like, they've got an estate not far from here. Like, ah, uh, Pap yeah, du Stank. Right, Pap du Stank, yeah. Pap du Stank. Catrovan Catorz, Pap du Stank. Yeah, um... Well, that, that's got to be the title. We found the title is Pap to Stank. You drank Pap to Stank before in this podcast. <laughs> we have. You have. Drank. We have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. Catravan Catorz. She's like, yeah, the Stanks. They're, um, they own a vineyard. They've got an estate, like up the road, not far, maybe five or six miles. Um, they're another aristocratic family, like the Wixleys. As she shows, she shows you their crest. She's like, well, all the aristocratic families have crests. You know, if you get lost, they'll be able to find you and bring you back. Okay, so the Stanks have another have an estate that's nearby. Yeah, uh, and similar to similar to the Wixley estate, they are keeping goblins as. Um, I don't want to say slave labor, but it feels like slave labor. Well, I don't know. Um, I'm. I mean, I signed a contract. <laughs> you brought. You were brought here against your will, though. I was, but if I work for so many years, they'll put me back, and I'll get to take money with me. They said if I worked for five years, they would 
pay me a sum of money and they would send me back to my village? Um, two questions. Two questions. Just you don't don't feel like you have to answer. Um, I can just feel myself getting more angry as I find more out about the Wixley family. Um, two, so two questions. How many years did they say that you had to work? How many years did they say you'd have to work? Uh, and did you, were you happier in your village? Well, they said I had to work for four years and I was very young. I don't know. I mean, I wasn't at marry, marrying age. I was just a child. They taught me some skills. Look, I'm a horticulturalist. Okay. As she just like looks around at the rosebuds. I'm going to go home to my little village. I'm going to grow all the vegetables. Yeah, she's getting shot. That's, that's, that's very, that's very nice. Did they, did they, um, again, feel, you don't have to answer this, but for four years of labor, did they tell you how much they'd give you? 10,000 gold pieces. Are you going to unionize them? <laughs> 10,000. <000. laughs> jobs. Yes. Quick, 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 the, the quick way to unionize you burn, burn down your workplace. <laughs> um, you are the Arthur Scargill. Of the <laughs> 10,000 gold. Okay. So they offered you 10,000, 10,000 gold pieces. I'm only, I'm only six months away from payday. One day from retirement. <laughs> <laughs> That's the title of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> Matt got a sneaky one in earlier. I caught it. I caught it. <laughs> he did. He did. It was great. Um, As oh, okay. you turn and see, Charles is just coming with a cart at 100 miles an hour. To what? No, I'm joking. <laughs> um, <laughs> she looks at it. She's like, I'm only six months. I'm only six months away from leaving. And... I've made friends here and I've got people from my village here and we're going to go back together. It wasn't ideal. I'm not, I'm not even going to lie and say I'm happy about it. But what can I do? How can I affect change? I miss my family. You'd, but you'd go back to your family if you had the chance. I don't know. 10,000 gold is more than we'll ever see in our lifetime. I could make a new life for my family. You could fully destabilize the economy of your village. <laughs> It's economically irresponsible. Yeah, admittedly, they're going to pay me with a single 10,000 gold piece coin that's completely <laughs> unchangeable. I'm not going to be able to get I'm not going to be able to get change for years. <laughs> but now I'm going to anyway, yes. All right. Okay. So so, so that's um, what's going on. What's your what's your name? Pookie. Pookie. Good good to meet you, Pookie. My name is Tatty Bojangles. Uh, and I am. She reaches out a hand and clasps your hand as you feel the warmth from her hand. She's like, Thank you for listening to my story. I really must get back to work. Um, I don't want to get in trouble. They're not bad people. They, they don't beat you or whatever or take away, you know, your money or anything or your time. But, but they, I, I want to be the best I can be at growing things. As, um, she takes her hand out of yours, you look down, there's like manure stain in your hand, like fertilizer. And she's like, Thank you for listening. That's okay. And I should say, not all masters are like the Wixleys. You do hear things about other families, and not all of them are nice, and not all of them pay their staff. Not all of them give the opportunity to buy their freedom back. 
What if there was a way to um, send you back to your village with the money that you're owed according to the contract that you have, um, but send you back not in six months, in like a couple of days maybe? Well, of course I'd go. I mean, I'd miss Lady Wixley and, you know, that John T's a bit of a wrong one, but I'd... I'd I'm, that was that was the I'm, other but, thing yeah. I was gonna I was gonna ask as what um, this jaunty guy seems he's from what I've heard about him he sounds like a bit of a, a semen spackle deviant. Um, <laughs> what's what's it like working working for him? Is he okay? I know you said that they don't beat you, but it has beaten off, isn't it? Wow, he's never... I don't think goblins are his thing. I think he's probably got an Oedipus syndrome, if I'm being brutally honest. I I work mostly in the gardens, and I work hard. I'm up in the morning, you know, and I'm I'm to bed. I don't really see... We've got our own, you know, living quarters. As you look, points over, there's like an out... An outhouse in the same way that it's bigger than most houses you've seen. There is a uh, servant's quarters. As she's like, you know... We don't cross paths with him so much. Maybe some of the people who work in the house might have an opinion of him, but... Wait, wait. So there's 23, and it's really strange that I already know that, there's 23 spare bedrooms in the house, but you guys have to sleep out in a separate building. Oh, yeah. Have you not met the aristocracy? (laughs) They're weird. (laughs) This house is a hangover from a different time. They've long since dwindled in numbers through inbreeding and, um, you know, they, they, they no longer need a house this size. But it's the aristocracy. At some point, the National Trust will buy it and they'll have to fucking do tours around it and offer cream teas. But until we get to that point, uh, I'm going to say a family uh, of three living in a 25-bedroom house. Yes. I'm going to say, Pookie, you... A couple of minutes ago, you said that you didn't have the ability to affect change. I'm going to put out my hand again to shake her hand, and I'm going to say, my name is Tatty Bojangles, and I'm an agent of change. (laughs) And we're going to change things here. She shakes your hand, and as you look, a single tear rolls down her cheek, cutting through the fertilizer and manure on her cheek, cleaning a small burrow down her and her cheek and she's like all right as long as we don't have to kill anyone or set anything on fire i'm perfectly okay with it we can talk yeah you let you let you let me handle that you let me okay, handle that i'll talk about it um as you look over you just see one of the deranged whippets that's off the lead now running around the garden just cocks a leg and pisses on her roses as she's like, be gone! As it just scuttles off. Right, as we will leave Tatty there, wandering through the rose gardens, we're going to pan back to Belsia. What are you doing? Uh, Belsia's sitting on the on the toilet reading a book. Phenomenal. Uh, I don't quite know how... Yeah? Okay. So as you, you, you balance your cloaca, they've got a really <laughs> fancy... You no, know, when you're in a really fancy joint and they've got a wooden toilet seat. Um, it's like a mahogany toilet seat. Um, it's Never it's been rich. to one. Never been to one of them. 
do not know. I bet you've Can't been relate. to like a place, Lewis. You've definitely been to a place where they've got like a perspex toilet seat with goldfish in it, or something like that, or seashells. Oh yeah, no, that I'm okay with. Yeah, very yeah. okay with that. Yeah. Oh yeah, with goldfish, they're never alive. Uh, no, this is uh, Belsia. When you first walked in, you you felt the wood grain on the toilet seat, and you sniffed it, and it was rich mahogany. Mm. Um. As you look over and like the the handles and trimmings on the sink and the bath are all brass. There's a beautiful like white cast iron bath with four legs on it. Um, and just a very nice bathroom. This bathroom is bigger than some in rooms you've stayed in. Um, as the toilet paper has that kind of like hotel hospitality V oh, as they folded over the good. edges of yeah. the toilet paper into an arrow. Um, I, I, yeah, I can't stop thinking about this taxidermied crocodile. Like, is it some, someone? Is it one of the big families? Is it one of the the, the crappy families? Like, I, I need to know. Okay, so what book are you reading? I uh, just, just, um, you know, just from the, from the toilet library. Oh, from the library. toilet library. As you, <laughs> as you rip a, you rip a page out of the book, wipe your cloaca, close the book and put it back on the toilet library shelf. Um, making your way back out from the room, you come back out into the kind of like, um, living room, which is just full of all the stuff. The living room that has the, um, stuffed cropperborn in it. Are there any, is there any like? Is there like a label or a plaque or some way I can determine? Because in I, I, uh, I guess make me in, an investigation check. We've got ten minutes left. Ten, right. ten to ten, and Matt gets his dice out. Yes, investigation. <laughs> I was thinking that earlier. I was like, I've not rolled anything today. Yeah, it's been very <laughs> dice, dice light. I just give a pervert a small harp. That's all I've done. <laughs> You're helping a pervert learn how to strum. Oh, and, and I've, I've made a horse mow down some innocent man. <laughs> All in a day's work. Uh, that's a 19 for investigation. A 19. As you pull the crocoborn towards you, he's very light as he's had all his internal organs pulled out of him and he's been stuffed. Um, as you look him up and down and turn him around, um, you see he's had his cloaca sewn up um you do however see skin art on him and you see um he's got um what looks a little bit like a tattoo of a trident on one arm interesting do i know if that's significant to me um make me a history check Ooh. that's a three a three yeah, I mean, you're not one for piercings and tattoos. You remember somewhere at school someone once telling you that um, the major Crocoborn families all had, like, crests. And, you know, this could well be a, a, a family crest, which could be mean that he is, you know, of a pedigree family within Crocoborn society. But you spent more time... Um, making paper aeroplanes and learning to masturbate through a hole in your pocket <laughs> um, doing geography than actually paying attention. Yeah, I guess this is, uh, yeah, on, 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 I guess on the balance of it, like if it's uh, if it's not familiar, it's probably no one important. 
Yeah, it doesn't look like your uncle or anything. Yeah. <laughs> not like... I love the deadpan nature of, of Belsiar's lack of social justice. <laughs> Do I know this person? No. I don't think this makes a difference to probably, me. Probably one of the minor clans. I mean, the ten of Yeah. If it, was, if it was someone from one of the big families, I mean, that's a different matter. That's a, that's a grave injustice, but eh, it's probably had it coming. Wow, and that's Jesus Christ! You're a real like, advocate of justice. You're a real social warrior. They get they get a bit of money and they turn into fucking dingbats. <laughs> this is yeah. Belsia would have been a lot different before he got four thousand gold. This would have been a. Yeah, true. Now he's one of the landed elite. He's very different. Scab, scab, <laughs> absolute scab, absolute scab. We, we flash forward a thousand years into the future in a kind of like space age apartment of the rich and famous of uh, some aristocrat as we see Belsiar stitched <laughs> up in taxidermy as another crock of ball stares at him, like tilting his head to one side. Um, no, no, we don't. Interesting. We're going to quickly pan back to Aristobulus as Jonty is strumming away um, he's strumming good until his fingers start bleeding as he's like, do you know what? You've inspired me to leave the bedroom, put some trousers on and go and explore the grounds. Would you come with me? Oh, absolutely, my good man. I go to link his arm like we're two best pals. As you link arms with him, he's like, I did tell you I need to put trousers and underwear on and that's going to be <laughs> awkward if we're linked. Yeah, I'm going to unlink. As you unlink, that would become a, just, a, a comedy duo. As he, you unlink, he turns around. He's facing away from you as he drops his dressing gown and you see his pasty, pimply ass. as he fishes around on the floor, kicking trays of food out the way until he finds a pair of Y-fronts. Pulling them on, um, he leaps around, opening the wardrobe, just bundles of dirty clothes fall out as he picks some ill-fitting clothes and puts them on, um, pushing on some some slippers. Uh, he's like, come on, let's go and explore the grounds. Maybe we could have tea with mummy. Oh, I hate the mummy thing so much. <laughs> um, yeah, sounds great. As you make your way to the door, Tati, whilst you're in the garden, Aristobulus, whilst you're on the top floor, and Belsiar, whilst you're staring eye to eye with a taxidermied crocoborn, each of you hears a ring a bell rings, a high-pitched ringing noise um, as all of you look around. Um, as Belsia, a, a mater D, comes out, bangs a gong and says, a dinner is served. Better not be grilled, Crocobon. That's really going to be hard. <laughs> I'm definitely going to swap. I, I have to dismount, don't I? I have to get down the stairs, so I'm going to um, obviously do the cool thing and slide down the banister. Okay, make me an acrobatics check. Piece of piss. Fifteen. Fifteen. Um, sliding down the banister, like, it's so well um, oiled up. Like, it is proper waxed teak banister. You, you, you basically get some real velocity flying down the banister, and you just do that thing where you just... Um, 
it has like at the bottom of the banister where it turns into a spiral and you push off just before your testicles hit the spiral on the bottom of the banister you launch yourself off doing like a three-point landing in front of the maitre d who looks at you as he withdraws his gong and clangor he's like um if you would like to be seated dinner is served and he scuttles off that went well tatia are you coming in from the garden at this what are you doing yeah, I think as as we if I hear the the gong and I assume that Pookie knows what that sound is, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna say, um, is there anyone else um, anyone else I should talk to from the um, interior staff, like someone in the kitchens or like one of the one of the house servants um, who feels the same way you, you do. Well, oh, what do you mean feels the same way I do? I said I'd listen to you. I'm not starting an insurrection. It's too late now. I'm not a dissenter. It's too late now. Uh, it's too she late. She looks down at her hands and she's like, no, I'm not. I didn't say I was getting in deep. I just said I'd listen to you. And you said if I could find a way of taking the money and going early, I would do. I'm not some sort of trouble starter. And yet, also on a larger level, it, it does feel like these these uh, this, these aristocrats, as you said, this this place needs to needs to pass on to the national trust somehow. And how do we how do we do that without 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 getting rid of these three aristocrats or these two aristocrats and their one masturbating son? Maybe we don't have to kill them or burn the place. Maybe we could um, destabilise their finances, hence bankrupting them, causing them to uh, no longer be able to pay council tax. And then, you know, they'd have to default to the National Trust. It takes a long time. Yeah, yeah, Pookie, you've done no reading up on this subject. (laughs) She's She's like, what's that? I hear, is that a gong dinner time? As she just like darts (laughs) off, like she just throws her shovel into the um, wheelbarrow full of manure and just legs it between the roses. Bye! Viva la revolucion, Pookie! (laughs) (laughs) As you make your way back in, all of you meeting in the foyer as John T's like, oh, look, more of you strange people. As he looks over at Belsia, he's like, fuck me, the, the statue's moving. As he just... <laughs> <laughs> as all of like you make your way five. into the dining room, <laughs> you see that uh, Margaret Wixley and uh, Warburton's Wixley have all put on dinner jackets and a gown and are sitting at a table which is all laid out with fine cutlery and crystal ware glasses. Um, as you sit down, they all look in absolute amazement as Warburton is like, my God, Jonty, you've come down for dinner. As Jonty says, look, Daddy, I can strum! As he just, like, <laughs> hammers out a chord on the harp. Um, as you, you can see, Margaret is fighting back a tear that her son has put down his penis and taken up a harp. Um, she's proud of him. As, as Warburance is like, Margaret, that is the heir to our estate. As Warburance reaches out a hand to you, Aristobulus, and is like, I would like to thank you for rescuing our son from himself. Oh, you know, all in a day's work, you know. The Lord works in mysterious ways. Ah, yes. 
Well, would you please join us? Be seated as you all sit down. Um, you see servants, like various mixes of different races, some goblins, some tabaxi, um, and even a furbolg come in and um, lay um, starters in front of you, each of you having a plate with a silver kosh laid in front of you as dinner begins in high society. And that is where we're going to leave this week's episode. You made a difference. I'm going to remove my um, small harp from my uh, inventory. Yes, you've given, no your, you've given your harp to a deviant. Last Christmas, yeah, it, I gave you be. my harp. A tale as old as time. <laughs> <laughs> well, there we go. That's about all we can hope to achieve for this week. Massive thanks to all of you for joining us for another dollop of fun-packed fantasy fuck nuggetry. And seeing as you made it this far, why not consider hitting that subscribe button and never missing another episode again? Better yet, if you're feeling sexy, why not give us... That sounds horrible. Better yet, if you're feeling fruity, why not give us a five-star review on whatever podcasting platform you are on? All your reviews and recommendations go a long way towards spreading the word of our misadventures far and wide. If you fancy chatting to us about anything you've heard on this podcast, your best bet is to find us on Twitter at Adventurers A-N-O number one. And you can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, Club Penguin. We're all over the place. We're <laughs> absolutely <laughs> everywhere. And if you're not a patron, you are missing out on Talking Tipsy, our monthly live chat with the cast. Join up now in time for next week and you can come and chat to all of us and ask us all your burning questions. But in the meantime, that just leaves time to say a huge goodbye from all of us. It is a goodbye from the people saviour, Mr. Chris Neal. What are you What are you cooking up? Viva la revolution! Oh, dear God. Goodbye, my precious blueberries. I get the feeling the guillotines are being sharpened even as we speak, <laughs> listeners. Oh, dear God. Straight to the gulag. Right, like, to the gulag. Straight to the gulag. It's a bit massive them. goodbye from the inventor of the brown note himself, Mr. Lewis Budden. Until next time, keep those fingers busy. And it is time to say goodbye from the sauna sausage himself, Mr. Matt Durant. How are you feeling? I'm good. I'm thinking sentient taxidermy is okay if it comes with financial stability. <laughs> That's my message for this week. Okay. That's your message. There's a lot of character growth, hasn't there, <laughs> this week? And all of us have done quite a lot. From yeah. music lessons to Most of you have grown to, as people. Well, I feel like Belsiar has regressed. He's yeah. been quite apathetic with regards to his ancestors. Yeah. I was hoping for a lot more hatred from you. But, In itself, um, his growth, though, shows you. He's, he's no longer the, he's turned, the virgin that yeah, we all know. He's turned cold now. and bitter. He's a man of the real world. Turns out, losing his virginity... The growth isn't always in the right direction. Yeah. Now he's a, he's a rough and ready fuck monkey like everyone else <laughs> fuck monkey jesus christ nobody needs that expression jesus <laughs> rough and ready he's out there right we're all off to try and isolate the purest brown note we can find but in the meantime we hope that you'll be joining us for another 
dollop of Funpack Fantasy Fuck Nuggetry next week. In the meantime, remember... Stay tipsy, you rough little fuck monkeys. (laughs) (laughs) Dry heat. Bye. And cut.